The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange-traded funds, you are in the right place. Every week, we're bringing you interviews, market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm your host, Bob Pisani. Today on the show, we'll take a look at one of the best-performing ETFs of 2022, delving into alternative asset plays and offering ETF investors exposure to key commodity tracking hedge funds that specialize in trading futures contracts. I'm talking about commodity trading accounts, CTAs. The fund has been on fire all year long. We'll break down what's fueling those gains. Here's my conversation with Andrew Beer. He's the founder of Dynamic Beta Investments and co-portfolio manager of DBMF, along with Andrew McGormand. He's the managing director at Wallet Beth Capital. Andrew, uh, this is quite remarkable. Uh, 30% this year up. I've heard people say this could be the ETF of the year. Uh, Now, you're aiming to emulate the performance of 20 CTA hedge funds. Explain to us very briefly what CTAs do, what's in this, uh, and and why why are we outperforming? Sure. So I, I think simplistically, CTA hedge funds try to capitalize on big shifts in the market. And, and right now, we're in the middle of a huge regime shift. Right? We went from this low inflation world to one with high inflation. And, and the markets have spent two years adapting to it, trying to figure out what's going on. And so what CTA hedge funds have been doing, and they're having a historically good year, is as inflation comes back, they're finding different ways to make money on it. And so what we do in our ETF is basically try to understand what trades they're doing and then to copy it in a low-cost, efficient way in an ETF to bring access to that to a broader base. I, I want to clarify a couple of things. First, even though they're called commodity trading advisors, they can invest in anything, right? You don't, they don't have to be just commodities. That's sort of an old-fashioned name. They can do right. anything, essentially. It's, yeah, I think, I think the modern term is managed futures, yeah. and, and it's because they invest in futures contracts. In regulatory land, futures contracts are often treated as commodities, right. but, but we call them managed futures. And you're not directly investing in any hedge funds. I want to make that very clear here. Exactly. You're using long and short futures contracts to try to emulate the returns, right? Sure. That's right. So if, if they're betting on crude oil going up, no one goes out and buys barrels of crude oil and throws it into their garage. You buy a futures contract on it. Uh, when we see that the hedge funds are doing that, then we simply do the same thing. We ourselves buy a futures contract. What is amazing to me was just looking at your positions right now. I mean, you're long crude oil, but you're short just about everything else. The euro, you're short gold, you're short the yen, you're short two-year treasury notes. It's like shorts right across the board. It's really rather remarkable. <laughs> it, it is. We have been in crash protection mode, and, and that's been the right place to be. Yeah. You know, Andrew, uh, Andy. I'm going to call you Andrew. I'm going to call you Andrew uh, here. Everything's going right for these active managers, but only if you got the inflation trade right. So they're, they're commodities up, rates up, dollar up. If you got that inflation trade right, then you're fine. But if you didn't, you're not fine. Well, here's where I look at it. If, you know, an alternative asset, a fund like this is diversification in a passive bull market. And you should have it. You don't expect that performance. You just have diversification. And then they shine in a market like this when they have their chance. It might be every 10 years. It might be every two years. But that's why you have it in place so you can outperform your beta and get some alpha when the market calls for it. That's what they're good at. That's why it's there. Yeah. You know, this is a really great example of the power of ETFs. You know, one of the things I can't stand about about this asset class, about hedge funds in general and CTAs, is they're very hard to access for people, and they're stupidly expensive. They typically charge, you know, 2 and 20 here, 2% of the fees and 20% of the profits. Um, 
this guy's running this for 85 basis points. Right, but also let's, 85 percent. Let's That's not forget that you have to be. If you're an individual, you got to be accredited to access one of these hedge funds. Right. You can't just say, hey, Another I'm going to put 20 grand into it. So, accredited is a big thing. Liquidity, and this is the big point, right? On this part of the show, we like to teach everybody what to do. Do not try to emulate this strategy on your own, you know, with, with futures contracts using your E-Trade. You just really shouldn't. And that's what's right. so great about, like, the power of ETFs. It's giving you access to an idea. Let the professional trade it, right? The, the S&P 500 ETF, okay, it's only hard because you can't go buy 500 stocks. But otherwise, you could probably emulate an index right. with a few big names. This is not the case in this. It's an alternative asset where the pros need to do their job. Yeah, but, He's offering it to you for 85 bips. But, Andrew, I, I, I want you to clarify this is, says it's actively managed. To, to what extent is it actively managed here? There, there's a model. You have a model, sure. right? So you're, you're looking at 20 uh, CTA funds, right? Suppose uh, you're aggregating like the majority are long oil or short oil. You're aggregating this, and then you have a model, right? So sure. to what ex is, is that active management? Yeah, so, so each of those CTA hedge funds has their own models. And those models are trying to determine whether oil is going to keep going up, gold is going to keep going down, the dollar is going to keep getting stronger. Our models just figure out, based upon recent history, how they're positioned. Now, the reason it's called active is that even though the performance of it is very index-like, so when you say, what is an index of in the managed future space, there's no S&P 500 you can point to where it's easy to invest in. Rather, what you're saying is, what is a, a, a large collection of guys who pursue the strategy, how have they done on average? That's what an index means in this space. Yeah. And so, so we're actually somewhere between passive and active in that we are trying to give you index plus performance by virtue of the fact that, that, that you get diversification by virtue of the fact that we're looking at a lot of individual managers and the plus comes from cutting out fees. Yeah. So you have a model on top of a model, essentially. Exactly. Models on top of different kinds of models that are out there, right? Exactly. The, our, our model, our model is, is the best way that we found to figure out today how these guys are positioned. We believe in the intelligence, the acumen, yeah. the sophistication of these guys. We just want to be able to copy what they do cheaply, right. And frankly. these models don't all agree with each other. I mean, some might be long oil, some might be short oil, right? But, and you're aggregating that, essentially. Right, and, and that's been the curse of investing in the space, right? When you talk pick about the, the wrong one. Axis, yeah. they're all different, right? Yeah. So it's like saying, I want to invest in emerging markets, yeah. but you've got to pick between Brazil, which is having a good year, China's having a terrible right. year, India, et cetera. Yeah. But you need somebody to put all that yeah. together to you. And what we basically do is say, here's emerging markets, the equivalent. You know, Andrew, I cannot figure out how the hedge fund business survives. I really don't. I've been at CNBC 30 years. I've watched this industry. And I, it, it amazes me. How do they keep convincing people that 2 in 20 is worth doing? How do you go to a, a, a pension fund guy and say, hire us? Or how does... Uh, how do they keep selling themselves based on this? At least at 85 basis points, you see what's right. going on here. It's pretty well. Pretty there's, a, there's a portion of let's just you know what it is. Business is business, and there's people paid to, being paid to go and outperform beta or outperform the, the S&P 500 or outperform a Vanguard fund. That's part of it. But I also think any sophisticated investor is going to take maybe let's say. 80% of his money and put it in this and take a shot at 20%, right? Or take a shot at 5% in an alternative hedge fund. Where if they hit that home run, if you get that 80%, that 100%, that 150% return in a, in a given year, you're not going to worry so much about the, the 20% going tell, back. Tell us practically how this really works, how this sale really works. And you were in the hedge fund business sure. for years, right? So I'm a pick XYZ, you know, teacher's fund annuity from wherever, pick a state. And I have... 
advisors, right, to tell me where to do my asset allocation, right? And they're trying, is it, is it the advisors who tell you you need to hire hedge funds to get some alpha here? Is, how does that w work? I mean, what? Yeah. So, so look, look, like any part of the active management business, as Andy said, there is, a, there is an industry around manager selection. And, and the industry around, you ask, how do these survive? Is because, look, look at our, our, our space, right? There are guys who are up 100% this year and guys who are down 30% this year within the same space. So there are always guys who look like they can do no wrong. And I think the big lesson of the past 15 years has been the guy who did really well last year is just as likely to have a horrible year yeah. this well, this year. this is Vogel's central insight. You know, right. there, is no, there is no pattern. Well, and the right. pension's not going to go, hire 10 of him right. in each different asset but I class. Get, the point here is the people who make out well are the advisors uh, who collect fees, of course, and, and the hedge fund. So you're an advisor to you know, XYZ teachers annuity fund and sure. wherever, and the advisor is telling them you, the, the, the pension fund is freaked out because they don't have enough to cover their potential liabilities in the future. Right, and so, so uh, the best allocators <laughs> that I know in this space right, have a formula for success, which is they recognize that they don't know who's going to do well next year, so they spread their bets. And if they're really big, like a sovereign wealth fund or a huge pension plan, <laughs> they don't pay two and 20 like everybody no. else. They're going to go in and say, I've got a billion dollars, but if you want it, we're not going to talk about a full fee structure. Those guys always outperform the average. And in a sense, mm -hmm. what we've tried to do is emulate that model, but in an ETF with yeah. low fees, accessibility. So everybody can get it. So everybody can get it. You don't yeah. have to be an enterprise client. Yeah. 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 Well, What's fascinating to me is just that they can keep selling this year after year, this model, um, where everyone does well except the clients back and forth. I mean, long term, we don't see any evidence that hedge, form, hedge funds outperform. Well, but. but the same thing has also happened. There's a world of hedge fund strategies that are in mutual funds, right, and have been in mutual funds for 15 years. The same thing happens there. You're an RAA. You're running your business. Mm -hmm. And you start getting calls from a salespeople. You know, we've got a fund that's up 10% this year, it's up 10% last yeah. year, it's up 10%. You don't hear about the dozen other funds that haven't done well. The overall liquid alts world has done less than 2% per annum for the past decade. Yeah, define liquid alts for people who aren't. Sure, so these are, these are hedge fund strategies that, so alternatives that are put into mutual funds and very rarely but occasionally into ETFs that are basically hedge fund strategies, but it's liquid because you can get in and in out, and every out day. of a day or... Yeah. Define, what, what classes would you see? Uh, so there's equity long short, there's managed futures, there are certain... Is your ETF uh, is a good example? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, right. Liquid alts are not like real estate, for example, timberland, for right. example, or it could be a REIT, but timberland is not a liquid alt. For Everybody example. has their own definition of it. There are publicly traded REITs out there. Some people call them alternatives. When I, say, when I use that term, I'm talking about hedge fund strategies. So the stuff you would see in your proverbial institution but somebody has taken one of those strategies and put it into a mutual fund to democratize it. Yeah. To me, liquid means, and I don't want to get too technical, but I don't want to use words that the viewers and listeners sure. may not know. Liquid means easily so bought and sold. Correct. Right. I can get in Monday and get is out not a liquid all. No, and me. a hedge fund will typically say you can get out next quarter. And things could, like, hey, I need the money. Uh, I'm building a house. Like, next quarter. That yeah. means not right. liquid. You know? Right. And, yeah. and the, re the reason people have focused on it so much in the hedge fund world is that in the great financial crisis, you thought you could get out of hedge funds and you couldn't. 
Right. So, so you thought, oh, I can get my money out next month, and it turns out it took you three or four years to get your money back. Yeah. And so, so a well, lot not of because it wasn't liquid, because they couldn't sell at the well, price. Well, how about they private wanted. equity? Was, private equity. Liquid. The company's not going to let you sell their shares. You might be in it for yeah. six years. I don't want to call that liquid alt either. Yeah, either. Yeah. It's no, not. it's not. Yeah. So, so again, it, it's a it's a terrible term because, as you described it, it's vague. But it, what it describes is a mutual fund, right? And it's all about. And what I've, the point that I've made is when you have this area where you've taken these strategies run by really, really smart guys and it hasn't done well for investors, right. it calls into question why you would want to democratize the space in the first place. Yeah. And so what we've been trying to do is actually in our, the 15-year history of, of my partner Matthias's and my effort have been to say, look, actually most ways aren't going to work. Right. Right. Just recognize most things you can do as a hedge fund, you can't do in a mutual fund, you can't do it in an ETF. Yeah. But what works and what works really well and focus on that. Yeah. Now, I want, to, I want to move on and show you another ETF that you run. This, this one's not a CTA, but it's a hedge fund ETF. It's a hedge strategy ETF. The symbol is DBEH, uh, and that models the performance of 40 long-short equity hedge funds. So this is long-short equity hedge funds. This is different than, than CTAs, uh, and it uses um, futures contracts. Now, explain how this works. We'll put a screen up here that shows you a little bit. Yeah. So, so so our insight into, so when you, when you talk about this category, it's called equity long short. And the idea is really, really smart guys are going to know not just what stocks to buy, but what stock to short, which means bet it's going to go down. Right? And so, so you're giving them basically two swords as, when they go into battle. Um, our conclusion was that most of what they get right are big shifts in the market. They, they, they get off the tracks as the train is coming down. Mm -hmm. they, they shift into... You know, when interest rates start to go up, they, they, they shift from FANG stocks yeah. that are dependent upon low interest rates to more interesting value stocks or vice versa. They go into emerging markets at the right time. And so what we do is we look at, again, a large pool of funds. We're not trying to tell you whether they own Meta versus Alibaba versus Semex or anything else. Rather, what we're saying is let's get those big factor shifts right. They're called right. factor shifts. And if we get that right and put it into an ETF, we've given an allocator a really valuable tool because it's less risky than equities, but can generate equity-like returns this over is time. the same strategy as the first fund that we talked about, which is you're aggregating models, essentially, yep. right? right? So, you know, on aggregate, if, if this pool is long, these 40 hedge funds are long Apple 3%, you're going to try to emulate that, right? A absolutely, except we don't do it with Apple. Right. We would do it with a futures contract on NASDAQ. Yeah. And, and again, our entire business, the only way we've found to do this well, and by this I mean get the diversification benefits. Well, 40 is a lot. 40 is a lot. That's why. Right. I but, mean, that's good. But how do you get the diversification benefits yeah. of those 40 hedge funds that you cannot otherwise access, but in an ETF with yeah. trading efficiency and all yeah. these other features, is to figure out their big trades and copy you're them using cheaply. a NASDAQ future, you wouldn't be individual stock futures. You're talking about... you would all Overall NASDAQ, right? So when, if we see them in FANG stocks... For us, that's a NASDAQ futures contract. It's not a series of individual stocks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Big trades. Yeah. So, and, and explain what the cost is for this too. Same, also same 85 cost, basis points. Same cost structure yep. overall as, yep. as them as well. Right. And so, so what we're trying to do is there are thousands of guys out there who run ETF model portfolios, which means stocks, bonds, and other right. stuff. But they're not short. Well, so and so yeah. what, what, what we're trying to basically say is, is, look, going forward in the 2020s, you have... Uh, a different need, right? 60-40 yeah. and being long stocks and bonds entirely did incredibly well for a decade or yeah. more. It's a different world right now. Correct. And so we're trying to give you the building blocks where you can say, I want this much in this strategy, want that much in that, in that strategy, 
and it's as simple as investing in an S&P 500 ETF. Yeah. yeah. That's what we're trying to do. Now, you also, I want to go back to the uh, managed future, DBMF, we had talked about earlier. You, you pay a very large dividend on this, right? Wasn't it right. last year you played like a 10% dividend? Exactly. Uh, and explain how that happened. And, and this was a taxable event, wasn't it? Sure. So, so one thing to be very clear about the two ETFs that we run is that they're, so uh, if you do an S&P 500 ETF, there's a big tax advantage relative to mutual funds in general. Um, there is no big tax advantage in running an ETF with these kinds of strategies. So what happens is when we make $10 around the end of the year, there's going to be a dividend of the gains in it. Depends upon a lot of other criteria, but last year, the, the, the ETF was up, I think, 11% or so, 11.5% year to date. So, so as an investor, you're going to see a lot of that coming back as a dividend. So just when you look at the, the, the performance of these strategies, you need to factor into it that the income that you receive over time is going to be taxable as it would in it. comes back as a dividend. That's what I think a lot of people want. Yeah, so, so in futures contracts, any mutual fund or ETF that trades futures contract recognizes all the gains on, on December 31. Okay, so that's the answer. That's, that's the answer. That's the yeah, short yeah, legal answer. flatten out the, the actual yeah, funds. It's the future. It's the nature of the structure. It's the structure of the product. It's what we invest it's in. Futures it's futures contract. contract. You yeah. have to pay them out exactly. at the end of the year. So that's yep. the simple answer. Yep. I was trying to get to that to the viewers. It's not obvious. <laughs> okay. See, you understand that intuitively. Like I'm getting yield. But it's yeah, not. Yeah, but you are. Yeah, but just you, pay no, it's because you have a, you're trading futures contracts. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, the short It's futures answer. contracts. Yeah. Yep. And you, there was a drop in the fund at the end of December uh, on, on that last year. And your point is you have to, they, it was distributed as a, as a gain. Sure. Right. right. So, so, yeah, so, so you have to really look at the total return. Like if you just look at the price return. Right. It's not really truly indicative, right? Isn't it? Absolutely. You've got to look at total return. And there are some databases out there that when you pull up the returns of it, it looks like every December it suddenly drops. That's not real, right? That's like, that's like saying uh, uh, I was in a bond and I got a big coupon out of the bond, but I don't treat the coupon. Not even acting like it was there. Yeah, it was there. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so you have to configure. If you're going to look at it, you have to look at total return. You can see that in fact sheets. You can see that on, on, on the websites. Okay. Well, you can see uh, this is a fascinating subject. I love talking about hedge funds, but more importantly, ETFs provide an easy way to get into this kind of strategy. It's cheaper. It's more efficient. This is what ETFs are all about whether you like or don't like hedge funds or CTAs. Now it's time to round out the conversation with some analysis and perspective to help you better understand ETFs. This is the Markets 102 portion of the podcast. Today we'll be continuing the conversation with Andrew McCormick from Wallach Beth Capital. Andrew, thank you for sticking around. Absolutely. Um, we have been discussing hedge funds and hedge fund ETFs out there uh, a few minutes ago, but I wanted to get your broader thoughts on the market. One of the things that's pretty obvious to me is uh, the foreign markets are getting killed this year, particularly emerging markets. Um, you're a trader. You get people calling you all the time asking for trading ideas. What does 2023 look like for emerging markets? I think it's going to be time. I think it's time to start probably putting some money into that. And it's really not so much about what's happening over there. It's about aren't things depressing over here, you know? Yeah. And we really haven't hit, I haven't hit seen that spot where everybody, and I mean everybody, I mean like the guy in the post office is like, stocks are terrible, you know? That's usually the capitulation point, just like on the upside when everyone's like, you know, when your babysitter's making money trading stocks, you know it's time to get out, right? Yeah. We're not out there at the bottom. I think, if you just comment on the US, Bob, I think the problem is we continue to struggle. The real economy lags the stock market, right? Inflation's still out there. I was listening to the program, not yours, but you know, on CNBC, and, 
they were talking about, we just really need to see job losses. And like, you know, where are we that we're hoping for job losses? It's pretty depressing. Right? Yeah, it's depressing. And they're all, and like, so the job losses are going to come, right? I, they were, the show was spot on. Since I saw that on TV last week, job well, Amazon, Meta, we're, we're laying off, we're laying off, we're laying off. And that also takes a time to roll itself through spending and credit cards and those things that will. So I think we're still in quite a bit of trouble in the U.S. for, let's say, another six months yeah. or a year. But you want to go, so want to go back to emerging to markets. Emerging. So there's the. Yeah. It's, they've been underperforming all year yep. dramatically. But is that by itself a reason to do that? I mean, I, I know people like you, the value guys, and they'll say, right. OK, I don't care about China, but when it's 14 times Correct. forward earnings and below, I'll buy it because historically it usually yeah. gets a bounce. Right. That may be true. It's probably right around there for China right now. Um, there are other considerations yep. out there about whether China's investable or not. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, these debates around emerging markets, and China in particular, have really changed a lot in the sure. last few years as China's become more of an ideological opponent to the Geopolitical United States. Geopolitical risk. I used to also. say, yes, I, I, I think there is, there is a higher degree of political risk around this than there yeah. used to be. Yeah. And I used to be like you. I used to say, well, okay, if China's, pick a number, 15% of global uh, equity market capitalization, then you ought to own a foreign fund that has, you know, China representation in it. Right. Clearly. Um, other people were value guys who said, I don't, I, I'll go in and out. But the debate about whether or not there's an ideological component, this, there's a political risk component that's a lot higher than we thought, sure. is fairly new. It's only yeah. in the last three or four years. And there's obviously volatility around when you're speaking one about China, right? But politics is now in the U.S. Yeah. Not, of course, not nearly the same volatility, right? Because we're a democracy. But there's certainly the, the current political landscape in the U.S. is depressing. Everyone will at least agree with that. Because is, is either way, are you coming out like this will cause a depressive, great bull market? It's depressing in the sense it's so divisive. Yeah, and it's divisive, and you just don't see what if it goes either way. If it's going to be great for the market, because there's not going to be like this come to Jesus moment where everyone's like, thank God this party won or this party won, right? It, it, it unfortunately probably still stayed a little divided. But back to the emerging markets, you know, I was going to talk about the ETF that Victory have, uh, which is UEVM, which is value and momentum, right? So versus just picking a country, let's say, which was the old way to do it. iShares has all the countries. They're fabulous ETFs. You can pick any country you want. But man, is that hard to pick the right country right now, right? So a diversified emerging market where you kind of damper the political risk. And the Victory product is going to actually pick the greatest value, which should help and the, the symbol there is U V E M. Uncle Eddie Victor Mary. U E V M. U V E M. Um, yep, U E V M. And it has a 7% dividend, which is great, but it picks value stocks. Seven times earnings is the average stock that trades in U E V M. Yeah. So I want to move on and ask you about ETF trends this year. And one of the things I it seems to me is like the traditional mutual funds. Uh, Converting to ETFs is finally yeah. getting some traction. Finally. You know, uh, Dimensional started that um, yeah. a couple years ago, and it seems to have accelerated this yeah, year. Yeah, we have, and we've seen it like this month. I mean, so they. It what was have we seen of, this month? Well, the, so Dimensional is an example, yeah. right? We saw a big trade just recently that was literally out of the Dimensional mutual funds into the ETFs. What makes them so unique is that they are the private club of mutual funds, right? You're, you know, you're. There's no guarantee that your RIA or your financial advisor could get you into dimensional fund. It was always kind of like an invite thing. So when they came out with the ETFs, it was like, wow, they're opening their playbook for everybody. And, you know, I think the, I think it's a fabulously run company, fabulous ETFs. I think they 
kind of held on to that aura for a while. And people are like, well, I want to be in the mutual fund. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see that. We did see a change, right? We saw that big trade. Franklin Temple, those are the managers we're talking about, right? Like, you know, Vanguard always had their second class of ETFs, and it, it, it goes to such a value crowd that both were positive. But when you see Franklin Temple, who has been out at ETFs for years, starting to gain traction, because it was such an yep. institutional mutual fund shop versus retail, I think that's a big trend. Obviously, flows are up across the board, but I didn't think we'd see the day where you saw the traditional mutual funds that are for institutions yeah. make some hay in ETFs, and they are. And you're, you're an ETF trader, so people who want to move ETFs call you up for do trades. Have right. you been seeing anything in recently that is interesting or out of the ordinary? Uh, high yield, again, uh, it's interesting to see the high yield trades. Um, you know, you think of them as risk, but remember that these traders are putting this on as actually a conservative strategy to equities. When you say the high risk trade, uh, high yield trade, do you mean you're seeing people buy? Buy and then subsequently sell because it's been a tough trade to get right. Right? It's, it's a so way of a getting lot of active trading, market, but not a lot of trend. Yeah, not a lot of trend. It's been a lot of up and down. So it's been tough to spot, but we've certainly seen an increase in that. As yeah, the all that tells you is, is, high, uh, is sophisticated traders are clueless, too, about well, trends. I, what, actually, what I think it, what it tells me is that the market's trying to find footing. It's just been hard to be right. It's, it, it's not that, hey, we're in cash and we're, and we're leaving it in cash. In the last quarter, we've seen, like, okay, it's time to get out of cash. It just hasn't always been right because we've had a little bit of a whipsaw. Yeah. All right. I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, Andrew, thank you for coming. Andrew McCormick is the managing director of Wallet's Best Capital, an old friend of ours, an old friend of ETF Edge. And thank you for joining the ETF Edge podcast. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Become an agent of innovation. Invesco QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.